Pay attention, son. This is for your own good. This is Gateway City Sports. You got to get it done. This is Talking Sports on the Bleachers with Don Glenn. A confident young man. A superb athlete. A look at the sports issues of the day. Holy cow! Grab a seat, pop a cold one, and let's talk some sports. Gee, that sounds kind of interesting. Hello there. Come on up and have a seat. We have guys chasing the home run records, teams clinching playoff first, NFL, NCAA in full swing. So throw down a seat cushion, pop a top, and we'll talk some sports. Gentlemen, start your engine. Here's the snap. Romo looking, dumps it off right side. Intercepted! Intercepted at the goal line by Woodson! And there is your dagger! The rumors are true. You don't understand. I could have had class. I could have been a contender. I could have been somebody. Crying? There's no crying! There's no crying in baseball! Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about it. Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? British young Cinderella has come out of nowhere. He's got about... 350 yards, that'd be better than about a 500 yards, don't you think? He's got a beautiful dash one. Dash! Oh, he got all of that one! Great to have you back, and I'm glad you could make it to Talking Sports on the Bleachers today. I am Don Glenn, your host, and I'm here to tell you that Talking Sports on the Bleachers is a proud part of Gateway City Sports. Gateway City Sports, you'll find articles con- and content on sports in and around the St. Louis Bi-State area. We try to cover as much as we can from the Blues to the Missouri Tigers to the Illinois Fighting Illini. Um, if there's something we don't cover and you want and you follow it, let us know. We'll take a look, see, and what we can do about that. Uh, check out the other podcast, The Team of Rivals with Ron, Pete, and sometimes Elliot, and the Derek King Sports Show, and there are more coming and some coming back. Uh, I want to take this time real quick here. If you listened to last 
the last show when we had the A-Train Arlington Lane on. Uh, I failed to say where you can find the man at. And so you can find the A-Train at the A-Train Show uh, and on YouTube and the X-Fan Show. Or on YouTube at the X-Fan Show. Excuse me. Uh, okay, so some quick thoughts on baseball. We'll get started here. Uh, Albert Pujols is chasing 700 career home runs. He's too shy right now. Uh, I was at the stadium on the 16th when he hit that 698, and my God, was it a shot. I mean, I was trying to film it, and I couldn't even catch the, fly, the flight of the ball. It, it, it left his bat so quick. Um, so just about two weeks left. I seriously think he will be the fourth member of the 700 club before that's all said and done. Aaron Judge has uh, now joined the 60 home run club, and uh, he is one away from tying the American League record of 61 held by Roger Maris. Uh, with a couple of weeks left, again, I think he's another one. He should do that and get the AL record. What that record will be, 62, 63, 64, who knows. Uh, but I think you're going to see Aaron Judge be the American League a single season home run champion. Shohei Otani becomes the first Major League Baseball player in history to hit at least 30 home runs and 10 or more wins as a pitcher. Uh, he's also the first Japanese-born player in Major League Baseball history to hit 30 or more home runs in consecutive seasons. He hit 42 last year. Uh, okay, rules. new rules were announced for baseball. I just, I'm, just, I'm telling you, I, I'm... I am so over Rob Manfred. I can't wait till he's gone. Um, um, he, he's, he's an idiot, and that's the nicest thing I can say about him. Um, the, the, first of all, the, the, this this restrictions on the shift is a total, complete overreach and a joke. Major League Baseball's overuse of analytics has resulted in the elevated use of the extreme shift. I mean, it's been around since Ted Williams, for crying out loud. Give me a God-blessed break. I mean, I'm trying to be somewhat calm here about this, uh, but it's, it's, it's a joke. I mean, players just need to hit the ball the other way. Learn how to hit and use the entire baseball field, not get this pull-happy. I can have more power if I, use, if I just hit to the left side or I just hit to the right side. And don't give me this BS that it's not easy to hit to all fields. If you are a Major League Baseball player and you are a fairly successful hitter, you can hit to all fields. It's not like I'm saying you got to switch it. Now, going from being a complete right-hander to left-hand hitter to switch hitting, that can be difficult to do. But to hit the all-fields, it's a matter of timing. It's a matter of adjustment. Give me a blessed break. These are professional baseball players. They should be able to hit the ball to all-fields, and if they can't, that is on them, and that makes them nothing but lazy. That's a, what I'm going to say about that. It's total crap that they can't hit the all-fields. The next is a pitch clock. Okay, you want a pitch clock? I, I really don't have a big issue with the pitch clock. Um, you know, But I think if you really want to speed the game up, get rid of about 50% of the TV commercials. Because you have a TV commercial... Because uh, all games are on TV now in one one form or another, whether it's a local broadcast like through a Bally Sports or whether it's a national broadcast through ESPN, NBC, or something like that. But you have a pitch, you have a uh, commercial at every half inning. You have a commercial at every pitching change. I'm surprised they don't have a commercial at every pinch hitter. I mean, give me a break. 
you cut out half of the realistically one and I'm serious one commercial per inning that's it and forget this commercials during a pitching change you would knock out a good 15 minutes of, the, uh, of, of time because they don't start now until the game's back on TV you know back in the old days when I used to listen on radio all the time you know typically typically you would have a number of games where you'd be listening to the game they'd go to a commercial break at the end of the inning and they would come back and okay while we were while we were away uh so and so struck out on three pitches they, you know they they would typically join the game a batter or two into the next inning so what in the hell is the deal you know get your priorities straight baseball i mean come on you're already and the other thing is if you want to put this all onto your MLB network okay great let fans see it. You want to make a big change? You want to improve the game? You want to improve the viewership? You want to improve the interest? Quit blacking out ball games on MLB TV. That will do more than anything else you can ever come up with. Uh, larger bases, again, another one. I don't have an issue with this too, per se, but if they were going to deal with it as a safety issue, which I think is the, they say is the biggest thing, I think the biggest thing, because you really don't have an issue with second or third base, I think the biggest thing they could have done, or the easiest thing they could have done, was do, and this is one rule from softball I think I could take, is put a runner's base on the foul side of first base. You, you see that in, in softball games. You have a, 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 a two bases at first base. You have one in the fair territory, which is first base, and one in foul territory, which is the runner's base. Avoid you avoid collisions, you avoid spiking, all that kind of stuff. So they can do that. Uh, ghost runner on second. Get rid of this rule. It is stupid. It is idiotic, and it, it has no business in Major League Baseball. But I'm going to tell you this: I would love to see. I would love to see if you've got that runner on second, your first batter is up and he can handle the bat, I would love that, and like in save, save with the Cardinals. You've got a ghost runner on second, and you've got Tommy Edmund at, at the plate. Bunt the ball! Bunt the ball! Bunt the ball! You put the runner on third, at, at worst, it's runner on third, one out. Or you've got runner on runner on. First or uh, yeah, runner on or runner on first. Excuse me. Worst case scenario, you got a runner on first with one out. Or if they don't, if they try to hold the runner at second, then they delay the throw. Then you've got runners at first and second, nobody out. If they get the bunt down and they make the play at first base, then you got a runner at third with one out. Bunt. If, if I was a manager and I had a guy, had a, a couple of guys that could bunt the ball, uh, and they're coming up in that situation, they're bunting. They're bunting. I'm sorry, they're bunting. I'm putting that runner on third with, with with less than two outs. I've got a good chance. All I need at that point is a fly ball to win a ball game. I mean, give me a break. So get rid of a ghost runner. Uh, one final quick note. I want to add my condolences to the family and former card uh, of uh, former Cardinal pitcher. Uh, Mark Littell, uh who passed away recently. Um, I know uh, the team of rival guys, and I listened to their podcast a couple days ago. Um, their kind of tribute to Mark. Uh, he was uh, on their show a few times, and um, he was a really great uh, sound from the interviews and stuff. He was really a good, good, 
good uh, person. Uh, uh, very good player, solid pitcher. Um, he's going to be missed. And uh, so my condolences to the family and friends and teammates of uh, Mark Littell. Okay, let's shift to the NFL real quick. Now, how crazy is the NFL right now? I mean, the Trey Lance era in San Francisco is going to be played uh, another year. <laughs> kind of hit a hiccup. Uh, two games into the season, you no longer have Trey Lance. He's out for the season with an ankle injury. And, you know, this makes the non-trading and the re-signing of Jimmy Garoppolo huge in San Francisco. Um they they were able to keep him around, uh, not that they wanted to, but they did, and now it's going. I think it's going to pay some big dividends. Um, he came in that first after the uh, uh, injury to Lance in the Seattle game. He came in, he had a yeah, kind of a yeah, performance, with 13 for 21, 154 yards and a touchdown. But what Garoppolo is going to give them is somebody that is filling in who they don't have to worry about how if he knows the playbook they don't have to worry about his uh, composure and ability in big games so I think this is a big 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 win-win so to speak for San Francisco in that respect uh, now where it hurts San Francisco is if that Garoppolo has a very good year and let's say they want to hedge their bets for next year again in case Lance gets injured they can't because they can't franchise tag him. They can't franchise because his contract agreement says no trade, no tag. So at the end of the year, he's going to be a free agent. So if they want him back, they're going to have to pay through the nose. And I, I, I know I don't see that happening. So, uh, but I think Jimmy's going to end up with a pretty decent payday somewhere. Now Lance was not the only quarterback to go down. Uh, Dallas uh, lost uh, Dak Prescott. It's unclear as to how long he's going to be out, though. I, I haven't really seen any return dates or estimations on that. Um, but they turned over the quarterback duties to Cooper Rush, um, who's actually been around Dallas for since 2017, on and off like the taxi squad. He's been the backup. Uh, he's played five games, a total total of five games. Or he's thrown uh, 30 for 40, 30 or 47 for 422 yards, three touchdowns, and a pick. Now he did respond well, playing against Cincinnati, and they won the ball game, 20 to 17. He was 19 of 31 for 235 yards and a touchdown. Um, and like I said, it's current. Not know when Prescott will return, but uh, we'll see how Dallas responds with uh, Cooper Rush. Maybe we have the Cooper Rush era. Uh, I kind of doubt it, but you just never, never know. Uh, Dane Jackson of the Buffalo Bills, uh, cornerback, uh, scary situation uh, on Monday night. Uh, uh, he was making a tackle and got hit in the back and uh, bent his neck back uh, by, uh, got hit in the back by his own player, really, and uh, his neck, neck really bent in an odd position, and he was... Uh, uh, kind of on the ground for a while, got taken off uh, the field by ambulance. Uh, good news is he was released from the hospital Tuesday morning. No immediate word on his status as to when he will return to the lineup, though. Uh, a quarterback who's making people take notice right now in the NFL is Tua Tagloviela. I hope I pronounced that right. I had a TT. I'll call him TT. 
double T. Uh, the Miami Dolphins, he is in two games right now. He's 59 of 83 for 711 yards, seven touchdowns, and only two picks. Uh, the Dolphins are 2-0. and They beat New England and Baltimore. Uh, now, some of uh, uh, Double T's uh, um, success, I think, has come from the addition of Tyreek Hill uh, to complement uh, Jalen uh, Waddell. Uh, now, Waddell was a big pass catcher for the Dolphins last year, 104 catches, uh, 1,015 yards, and seven touchdowns. Uh, up next for Miami is Buffalo. So we'll see how good he is. I mean, if you can take New England, Baltimore, and Buffalo, uh, bang, 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 um, you know, Miami just might have something going there. Uh, Kansas City is a is also two and zero, blowing out Arizona and squeaking by the Chargers. Now Mahomes has been Mahomes, fifty four of seventy four, five ninety five, seven touchdowns. And, you know that's just I kind of pencil that in. Um, the rushing game has been fairly solid with Clyde Edwards Helier and Isaiah Pacheco and Jarek McKinnon. They've got collectively two hundred eighteen yards, but only one rushing touchdown. Uh, now, although Hilaire has caught seven balls as a receiver for 76 yards and two touchdowns, uh, and as expected with the, with the, um, uh, Hill not there, Kelsey is the leading receiver for Kansas City with 13 catches, 172 yards, and a touchdown. Now, the defense has allowed over 20 points in two games and recorded five sacks and only one interception. So, uh, I think if anything's going to have to go pick up in San Kansas City. It's going to, have to pick up in the running game somewhat and with the defense. Uh, um, you know, allowing 20 points a game, unless you can really pick up your offense and outscore. And like I said, if, you, if you're squeaked by the Chargers, um, you know, the Chargers are good, but I mean, eh, you got to got to pick up the defense a little bit here and there. Uh, on another NFL note, as a Packer fan, I do feel compelled to report this. And the most hated song for the Chicago Bears is Who's Your Daddy? <laughs> and they hate the name Aaron right now. Uh, both Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones showed the Bears who were boss uh, Sunday night. Uh, Rodgers was 19 or 25, 234, two touchdowns. Jones, 15 carries, 132 yards, a touchdown, added three catches, 30 yards, and another touchdown. Uh, Rodgers threw to nine different receivers. Sammy Watkins led all receivers for the game with three catches and 93 yards in another complete domination of the Chicago Bears. Uh, 2023 Modern Era nominees of the NFL Hall of Fame have been announced. I'm not going to go through all the names because it's sick of me there. Uh, but the, the list includes five quarterbacks, uh, 17 running backs, 19 wide receivers, uh, three tight ends, 25, 21 offensive linemen, 14 D linemen, 17 linebackers, 19 defensive backs, 10 punters, and two special team members, as well as uh, uh, to be cut the 25 in November, and that from that list, 15 will be announced in January, and the induction class will be announced ahead of the Super Bowl. Uh, what is this? 57? Yeah, 57. Um, in August, the NFL named defensive line Joe Klecko, uh cornerback Ken Riley. And linebacker Chuck Howley uh, have been announced as senior finalist, as well as former coach, like I said, Don Coriel. Um, uh, from last year, some guys that were on finalists last year that are made the list again: uh, Devin Hester, Tori Holt, Reggie Wayne, Andre Johnson, Willie Anderson, Jared Allen, Zach Thomas, 
DeMarcus Ware, Patrick Willis uh, were finalists last year. Uh, this year's inductees for the NFL Hall of Fame, uh, offensive tackle Tony Baselli, wide receiver Cliff Branch, safety Leroy Butler, linebacker Sam Mills, D lineman Richard Seymour, uh, and Bryant Young and coach Dick Vermeil and referee Art McNally. Uh, now some names on the list um, that are n that were not on last year's uh, that were not part of last year's finalists. Uh, you've got uh, uh, let's see here, you got Mike Allstott. Uh, um, you've got and a couple of good Randall Cunningham, Donovan McNabb. Um, uh, you've got. Uh, Donald Driver on the list this year. Uh, both both the Barbers, Tiki and Rondé. Uh, so pretty good class. Uh, you know, uh, I'm gonna tell you, looking at that list, I'm not sure how they're gonna whistle whittle that down to 15. I mean, it could be stressful, but almost like buying a car. But that doesn't have to be stressful if you deal with Fifth Street Motors. Now, the Fifth Street Motors is located in Pacific, Missouri, 2044 Rose Lane. Now, they'll help you find a vehicle no matter what brand, the vehicle that you need. Fifth Street Motors believes in giving you the best price on a pre-owned vehicle that will fit your budget. So give Brandon or Don a call today at 573-259-1306 and tell them Gateway City Sports and Talking Sports on the Bleachers sent you. Let's talk some NCAA football, okay? I love NCAA. This is a great time of year for me. I love the start of NCAA football season. It's just all the pageantry, and you, you get to watch the games. You get to see all the pad that the, the student sections. It's just fun. Uh, the most notable thing right now, though, is kind of a couple of bad notes uh, to start off with is Scott Frost being let go at Nebraska after losing to Georgia Southern 45 in a 45 to 42 shootout. And the move came as somewhat of a shocker as many pe people did think Frost's days were numbered. I mean, they, he hasn't had a winning season in five years. Um, but many thought they would wait until after October 1st when they were only when they would only owe him seven and a half million dollar buyout. Uh, but uh, Nebraska AD Trev Alberts figured that $15 million was cheap, and they were going to get rid of him. Uh, Mickey Joseph has been named interim head coach, and he's the first black head coach at Nebraska. Uh, there are three names that have been surfaced as possible replacements, as leading the list, I should say, of possible replacements. Uh, Lance Leopold, the Kansas head coach uh, and former Buffalo head coach at Buffalo University, University of Buffalo head coach I mean, uh, Matt Campbell, Iowa State head coach. Uh, he's also a three-time Big 12 coach of the year. And Bill O'Brien, the Alabama offensive coordinator and former Penn State coach. Now, I don't think seriously any three of the either any of these guys will take that job. Uh, they've got really good gigs going where they're at. I've heard Britt Bielema's name from Illinois mentioned. Um, yeah, I I I think Nebraska's aiming too high. Um, you know, I mean, I know they want a uh, difference from Frost, who was described as disorganized, uh, seemed to make impulsive and often irrational coaching decisions. Uh, one incident that was cited in a recent game, uh, the one in Ireland against uh, Northwestern, Frost failed to show up for the pregame staff meeting. How do you not show up for your own team's pregame staff meeting? I, I, I <laughs> that one boggles my mind. I have to tell you that one. Um, well, we'll see what happens uh, over in Lincoln when the, in the days and weeks to come. I don't know if they're going to make a decision this year. I kind of doubt it. I think they'll wait till the end of the season before they really uh, uh, get busy on 
uh, going because they really can't interview any coach, any sitting coach right now anyway. And uh, you know, so if, if the, those three guys that are are true that they are at the top of their list, uh, they're not going to talk to any of those guys till after the end of the season anyhow. So uh, we'll see. Um, now on the last slide, I did kind of talk with uh, A Train, and we were talking about this same thing, and he kind of mentioned that you know since Bo Pelini, Nebraska really, and you stop and think about it, Pelini was 38 and 17 with four Big Ten divisional championships, and was fired because he wasn't winning enough. Now how do you win four Big Ten divisional championships? You've got uh, a 600 winning percentage, and you're getting fired. Uh, that one doesn't make so I think Nebraska is just they're 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 aiming too high for a lot of things um, and I think he was saying that himself. Um, Mike Riley had a little bit of success but he floundered, uh, you know. So uh, Frost has come in and just looked like um, I, I don't know I don't know how to explain what it is. I mean he just looks like he's doesn't have a clue on the sidelines. Um, yeah, and you can kind of see that. So, uh, but given the talent level, they've got good talent at Nebraska, but uh, they are definitely behind a lot of their Big Ten counterparts. Uh, and I'm not talking the Wisconsin's and Michigan's. I'm talking like the Penn State's, the uh, Minnesota, Indiana, Illinois. I mean, you know, their uh, their talent level is just not what you would think. Um, now, except Frost wasn't the only coach to get the pink slip. Uh, Herm Edwards was fired this week from Arizona State. Edwards' uh, uh, gig at Tempe was in question before the season, much like Frost's was. Uh, and I thought he would kind of last the whole season before they got rid of him. Um, but uh, three games in, and he gone. Um, you know, they they won their home opener, blasted Northern Arizona, but then lost the number eleven Oklahoma State, thirty four seventeen. That wasn't I wouldn't think that'd be a terrible loss. But then they lost to Eastern Michigan thirty four to twenty one. Um they just um it's been a, a quagmire over there. Um a lot of talk that uh, Herm Edwards's offensive scheming is just not conducive to college football. So goodbye Herm. Uh, some candidates being reported reported being considered are Matt Rule, the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. Uh, I don't see that happening. Uh, Byron Leftwich, Tampa Bay offensive coordinator, uh, uh, and Todd Munkin, the uh, uh, Georgia offensive coordinator. I think both of those guys uh, might take the uh, Arizona State job. Uh, one name that popped up, and I'm not sure why, but Brian Harson, who's the Auburn head coach, um, reports are there he could be up to losing his game or his gig there um, he's had some issues in Auburn and they could be looking to move on from him um, I don't know if Arizona State wants the baggage with a, a Brian Harson. never know uh, Mike Norvello Florida State uh, people thought would be next in line for the Arizona State job but he's got the Seminoles off to a 3-0 and start so I don't see him Unless they just fold the second half, I don't see him uh, uh, wanting an Arizona wanting to move from to Arizona State. Um, now some takeaways um, after three weeks. Uh, there's a, a, a number of undefeated teams. ACC's got seven. Big Ten's got seven. SEC has six. 
Um, there are what, four in the Pac-12, uh, four in the Big 12. So still got a lot of undefeated teams out there. Um, and in terms of ranking, 16 of those teams are in the top 21 of the AP poll. Uh, including all top 12 teams in the AP. Uh, in the two major polls, uh, the top seven are the same. Uh, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, Clemson, Oklahoma, and USC. In that order, uh, both polls have the same teams 7 through 10, but the AP has Kentucky, Oklahoma State, Arkansas. All the coaches have Kentucky and Oklahoma State reversed. So in the coaches poll, it's Oklahoma State, Kentucky, and Arkansas. And I, I think it's too early to put much emphasis on polls. I really don't, uh, at least this early in the season, because uh, you really don't have much to go on because they're usually playing weak sisters. Uh, I mean, this year you've got some conference games going on, so you get a little bit you can tell from. Um, but, uh, you know, I think the top three teams that notably put themselves that they are ahead of the pack, and I'm talking Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio State, uh, they put themselves as the, the uh, you know, they're going to be the ones that everybody's going to be chasing, I think. Um, Notre Dame, uh, i got to talk about this for a little bit. Uh, Notre Dame was a preseason number five. Now they're sitting at one and two. After, uh, now, the Ohio State loss was not a bad loss because you're the number two team in the nation. But they need to turn around and get beat by Marshall. And they didn't get beat. They got humiliated by Marshall. I had to call it what it is. Um, and it's got to have some many of the Fighting Irish fans really just in a tizzy. Um, now, the win against California helped, but they've got a slew of games coming up at North Carolina this Saturday. Then they catch a bye week before playing number 19 BYU, uh, at BYU as a matter of fact, then later at Syracuse, a home date versus Clemson on no, in November, and at USC in the end of November. This could be a rough year for the Golden Domers. Um, just have to wait and see how they respond. Um, speaking of teams, what are they feeding those kids down in Georgia? That team is just flat out. I mean, I don't think they're going to be up usurped from number one, uh, and uh, I don't. I'm not going to say they are. They're guaranteed the, the the NCAA championship, but you know, they're looking pretty damn good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're three and zero. They've outscored their opponents 130 to 10. They have allowed the least amount of points in three game in the first three games in all of Division One football. Now they're just there are a couple teams that are pretty good. Uh, Ole Miss and Iowa have only allowed 13 points, but um, you know to allow only 10 in three games. That's yeah. Uh, now around the St. Louis area, Missouri is 2-1, uh, but a blowout loss to K-State Week 2 has not sat well with many Tiger fans. I mean, um, it just didn't sit right with them. Uh, so far, quarterback Brady Cook has been, quite frankly, a disappointment in three games. I mean, if you look at it, he's averaging just a little over 200 yards with only one touchdown and one interception per, or averaging with one touchdown and one perception per game. Now, as um, for the Missouri running game, He's the leading rusher, 159 yards on 26 carries. Now, he, they do have running backs, uh, Cody Schrader and Nathaniel Pete have combined for 258 yards and three touchdowns on 60 carries. Um, and receivers Dominic Levette has 16 catches for 270 yards and two touchdowns. 
Now they have a highly tatted freshman, Luther Burden the third. He leads Missouri in scoring with three touchdowns, one rushing, one receiving, and one on a punt return. <laughs> he can do it all, I guess. Uh, so there's a bright spot there for Missouri. Um, and defensively, they're allowing 27 points a game and giving up 117 yards on the ground and 212 yards passing. You're giving up 340 yards or 330 yards a game um, and allowing 27 points. You're not going to win many ball games. I'm just going to tell you that right now, folks. Um, and they haven't even hit the hard part of their schedule yet. Uh, they've got this Saturday, they've got Auburn. Uh, and then uh, October 1st, uh, so Auburn, they, they've got a chance there with that one. October 1st, Georgia, and then October 8th at Florida. Uh, so these three games are going to tell the tale. I mean, Auburn is one they should be able or could beat. I shouldn't say should. They could be able to beat Auburn, could beat Auburn. Georgia, they're going to – the only thing about that is they get to play the game at home. But then again, you're probably going to get I, – I, I hate to say it, but I see a massacre on that game coming. Uh, October 8th, the at Florida game, um, you're facing the Bulldogs and the Gators back-to-back. I'm just <laughs> – that's just tough. I don't care who you are. Um, it's going to be a big mountain for them. They, they, so they can it could be in 3-3 three and three, or they could be 2-4 and four before their bye week. Now, after the bye week, it doesn't get any easier. Three of their six games are against number 8, Kentucky – Number 11, Tennessee on the road, and number 10, Arkansas. Do um, you squeeze into South Carolina game in Mexico State? You know, I'm hard. It, it, it may be hard pressed to see where six wins are going to come for Missouri, um, unless they can shape up the defense um, and get a little more consistency on offense, especially um, not having Brady Cook try to do it all. Uh, and I say I call him a disappointment. I'm saying disappointment mostly in the uh, passing. Uh, area of it. Uh, as a rusher quarterback, he's good. Um, and I think that's his game, his combination. I think his running game is going to be better than his passing game. But you would expect a little better than um, than you know just right around 200 yards for a passing game uh, if, you, if you've got a dual threat quarterback like that. Um, so We'll have to see, um, you know, if they get the win over over Auburn, even losing to Georgia, Georgia, uh, they can still hold their head up a little bit and say, okay, we've got some promise, we've got some hope. Uh, but if they lose to Auburn, and like I said, with the next two games after that, and then they turn around and they got to face uh, the second half of the schedule starts with Kentucky, and they could be circling the drain real quick over there in Columbia. Uh, other team of note uh, to St. Louis area fans would be the Fighting Illini of Illinois. Now, Mike, like Missouri, they are 2-1. Uh, the lone loss coming to conference rival Indiana in a game, quite frankly, they should have won. They should be 3-0. Uh, but they were to avenge, uh, they were able to avenge a, a butt-whooping they took last year from Virginia. Uh, they took Virginia this year 24-3 in Champaign. But now if you look closer at that game and you look at the game before that with Indiana, there's some some glaring issues, and that's turnovers. Uh, that's beating themselves. And quite frankly, um, that's what's been concerning. Uh, the defense uh, took over where they left off last year. They've been very, very good. Um, uh, offensively, Syracuse transfer quarterback Tommy DeVito has been very efficient running the offense for Illinois. Uh, 65 of 97, 622 yards, six touchdowns with two picks. 
uh, rushing-wise, it's been the Chase Brown show. And that's what we knew it was going to be when the season started, but it has been. 75 attempts, 496 yards, and two touchdowns. He's got 150 yards in every game, at least 150 yards, I think, in every game he's played so far this year. Um, Josh McCray was supposed to be his back uh, backfield mate, so to speak, but uh, he suffered a leg injury in the first game and has yet to return, and his status is still unknown at this time. Uh, as for receiving, junior Isaiah Williams was going to be the focal point and has been of the passing attack with 19 catches for 157 yards and a touchdown. But he's had some backup. Uh, sophomore Pat Bryant only has seven catches, but he's got 147 yards. So he's been kind of a deep threat. Uh, he's got a touchdown. He got that in that Virginia game. Uh, they've also been using their tight ends. Uh, very extensively. Um, they So far, tight ends for Illinois have caught 13 passes for 113 yards and two touchdowns. And I said defensively, despite losing guys like Kirby Joseph, Isaiah Gay, Owen Carney Jr., who were just awesome on defense last year, they're only allowing 10.6 points per game. You know, opponents are finding it hard to run the ball, only getting about 85 yards a game. Now, the secondary, despite having experience, you know, they are missing Kirby Joseph. Uh, they're allowing 180 yards a game, mostly on deep plays, which is something that defensive coordinator Ryan Walters is going to have to look at and get fixed if they're going to have a, a shot at some of the bigger boys in the, in the Big Ten this year. Uh, red zone defense is also kind of in question. as uh, Opponents are 3-4 and four in scoring in the red zone with one touchdown. You know, Illinois seems to be getting a breather of source tonight as they take on Chattanooga and Memorial Stadium, and then they get a week off before starting the conference schedule uh, at Wisconsin. They, yeah, well, this is not starting the conference schedule, but continuing with their conference schedule since they've already played Indiana. But at Wisconsin, uh, now they need to get back-to-back home dates against Iowa and Minnesota. So, you know, kind of like what Missouri's facing, they, they, Illinois's got a little bit of a gauntlet here. Uh, yeah, they can get a win tonight, and that'll make them three and one. But then you really have the op- the, the the possibility of three losses. Uh, Iowa's very good. Like I said, they've only, they've only allowed 13 points all season. Wisconsin is damn good. Uh, Minnesota just depends who which Minnesota team shows up. I mean, we could lose three games. We could win two games. We could. I don't think we can win three. I, I really I don't think we're going to win at Wisconsin. I think uh, Iowa's going to be a test, a big, big test. And uh, we, we probably should beat Minnesota. Um, then they get another bye week, and then they go to Nebraska uh, before taking on Michigan State and Purdue at home on back-to-back weekends. And then they finish the year with con- with road contest at Michigan and Northwestern. So with this schedule, the line are, I think they're headed for a bowl game. I, I think I can see a bowl game in this picture. Because, uh, like I said, after tonight, if they win, they only need three more wins. And, I, you know, you, you got to figure Nebraska's going to be a win. you got to figure Western's going to be a win. And if they get Minnesota, you're bowl eligible. Um, then it's can you beat Purdue? Can you beat Iowa? Uh, I don't think you're going to beat Michigan and the big house. I don't think you're going to beat Wisconsin at their place. So, you know, you, you've got two wins and then two more possibles. Um, and after that, you know, so that, you could end up with eight wins, which I think would be put them in contention. Not only put them into a, probably a New Year's Eve bowl game, but also put them in contention for the uh, Big Ten West title. I don't think they'll win it. I think it's Wisconsin's uh, title to lose in the Big Ten West, but we'll see. You know, just like a defense protects end zone in football, we need protection in life. 
because sometimes life throws up a trick play like a flea flicker, and that's when you need Allstate. The Wiley Group has two locations in Festus and Arnold to serve you. They offer home, boat, auto, motorcycle, business, life insurance, investments, and so much more. Now, like a good team defense, they offer a customized approach that's unique to your situation to make sure you and your family and your assets are properly protected. They also offer great rates and savings, so give Sean and his team a call today at 636-764-6294. They'll help you with an insurance quote right over the phone, so even give them a call if you want to talk sports, because you know, they'll do that too. We all have busy lives, so you can email Sean at Sean Wiley and talk to him, or at Sean Wiley at Allstate.com and talk to him about your coverage options. And remember, you're in good hands with Allstate. All right, let's finish up with the St. Louis Cardinals here. Uh, okay, yeah, they're in a three-game skid. We just lost two to uh, San Diego after dropping the last game at home against Cincinnati. They've managed just one run in their last four games. Uh, and like I said, they're finishing up tonight in San Diego before they go to L.A., and then they've got a two-game set in Milwaukee before the final six games at Pittsburgh, three at home and then three, the final three uh, in Pittsburgh. Magic number is six, and the Brewers are facing off right now in a four-game series against the Reds. So the Cards need to get a win or two uh, uh, before they get to Milwaukee, uh, really, um, uh, to make things to make to make to kind of give them the assurance that they're going to. I think they're going to win it anyway, but you know, they, I think they do need to get a couple wins here on the road before they get to Milwaukee. Uh, the team is in an offensive mud pit right now for the most part. Still getting some good starting pitching, though. Uh, Montgomery, Michaelis, Wainwright, Quintana have uh, all been turning in quality start after quality start for the most part. A couple hiccups here and there. Uh, but since coming off the IL, Jack Flaherty hasn't particularly been sharp, giving up seven earned runs in his last two games, but he's He's back, um, and he's he's showing some promise. He's just not quite got his bearings yet, so to speak. Uh, which questions why I think I would have had I would have ran him out of the pen instead of right into the starting rotation. Uh, Dakota Hudson, meanwhile, coming back from his recent recent stint in Memphis, had a fantastic outing. His last outing on the 17th, going eight innings against Cincinnati, allowing only one run. Um, and you can't talk pitching without bringing up Ryan Helsley. Helsley has become the stopper. And I'm not meaning a stopper. I'm saying the stopper. Um, he's has not been scored on, or has, excuse me, has not lost a game since, or well, excuse me, the Cardinals have not lost a game that he's pitched in since July 9th. That's 22 straight games. He's 18 and 22 in save opportunities for the year. Uh, and had an immaculate inning versus the Reds on the 16th. He's sporting a 1.19 ERA, a 0.73 whip. Uh, to go back, if you don't know what an immaculate inning is, it's striking out the side on nine pitches. Uh, he just, I mean, you just, it doesn't happen often. Um, and it, he's getting some help. Uh, you look at Giovanni Gagos, he struggled early part of the year, but uh, in his last 16 games, he's only allowed four earned runs, three of those in one game, unfortunately. Uh, but uh, he's picked up three saves, four holds. He's sporting a 309 year eight, but only a 0.96 whip. So you very really good back end with those two. And then you add Packy Naughton, and you add Stanton and, and Jojo Romero, who have all pitched very well. Woodford has been very good in, in middle and long relief. 
So the bullpen I'm not worried about. The rotation I'm not worried about. we got to get this offense going. So as I mentioned, though, it hasn't been clicking. And, you know, Goldie and Arenado have cooled off. DeYoung, after a brief, uh, and, you know, we've all seen this kind of movie before the last few years, you know, resurgence after coming back from an injury or coming back from uh, whatever, uh, he's slipped right back into being a sub-200 hitter. Uh, prize rookie Nolan Gorman, after a fairly good start, since, uh, slipped, and since the All-Star break, barely staying above the Mendoza line at 207. They sent him down to Memphis and recalled Juan Yepes to try and see if they could give the offense a boost. Um, but now on the flip side, we are have some guys doing some good. Uh, Tommy Edmond, who had a so-so first half, um, 259, 322, 377, seven, runs, 30, seven home runs, 33 RBIs. And he's kind of picked up the pace here in the second half. He's at 282, 325, 457 with six home runs, and but only 23 RBIs. So he's not getting enough guys on in front of him, and that's been the biggest problem. Uh, Corey Dickerson, since coming off the I.L., has been one of the most productive hitters since the All-Star break, going 344, 351, 489 with two home runs, 15 RBIs. And this includes in August where he went 411, 411, 589 for a slash line. Another bright spot has been rookie second baseman utility guy Brendan Donovan, 280, 390, He's not a big slugger. He's only got four home runs. But he's been an RBI steady with 40 runs driven in over the years so far. Uh, I think he's going to be a keeper for the road down here. Uh, of course, as we said earlier and mentioned earlier, the big watch is Albert getting to 700. I said he, I think he'll get it. I think he hit 699 either in L.A. or Milwaukee. And he'll hit 700 October 1st. That's my prediction. I will stick to it. All in all, I'm not worried about the recent slump. I really am not. I mean, they were bound to have a slump. Uh, I'm just happy it's happening now than against Pittsburgh when you really go, oh, wow, we can't beat Pittsburgh. What are we going to do in the playoffs? No, uh, you're playing some good teams. You're going to slump a little bit. Let's just, we, I think they can get it uh, turned around uh, in L.A., uh, maybe even tonight. Uh, they're facing Joe Musgrove tonight. Uh, he is 10-7, and seven, but he's only 2-7 and ten, two and seven versus the Cardinals for his career with a 553 ERA and 10 starts. So, now he is a right-hander, and I haven't seen the lineup, so I'm not sure if we're going to see Albert or not tonight. Um, but I do think the cards, uh, so, but, you know, I think you'll see Albert uh, and somewhere over the next, at least two or three games in the next five while they're on the road. Um, you know, so all in all, I don't think the Cardinals, I think the Cardinals are going to win the division. Um, and right now it looks like they would get Philly in the first round. Um, and all three games would be in St. Louis, so I like our chances after that. You know, or for that. And after that, it could be a crapshoot, uh, I think. But either way, this team is, if they're playing right, and they're getting the, the timely hitting, and they're getting, and the pitching stays the way it is. Uh, I look for a chance, a really good chance, at a deep run in the playoffs this year. So, hey, that's about all the time I've got tonight. Uh, a little bit shorter show than normal, but that's that's the way it goes sometimes. Uh, so don't forget to check out. Don't forget to check out Gateway City Sports at GatewayCitySports.com. Check out the show's website, Talking Sports on, or excuse me. <laughs> I'll try that one more time. Check out the show's web this show's website, talking sports hyphen OTB hyphen GCS dot on podium dot com. Hit the show up on Twitter at TSOTB GCS. And you can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Apple Pods, uh anywhere you get your podcasts. So s- until next time, stay safe.
Have fun, and we'll see you again when we can talk sports on the bleachers. Thanks again for joining us, and you have been listening to Talking Sports on the Bleachers. Here's hoping you have a great sports day.